0: Welcome to Q&A Selling Online, with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn
1: Amorm. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today, we have with us an Amazon seller turned consultant. We have with us Leslie Hensel. She is the co-founder of Riverbend Consulting. Leslie, how are you today?
0: Great. Thanks so much for having me on the show.
1: It's a pleasure having you here. And I bet we have a ton of things to talk about. So, Leslie, tell me, let's start from the beginning, like very beginning. How did you get started with e-commerce?
0: So I started selling on Amazon about 11 years ago, which makes me like a grandma in this space, right? I'm not old enough to be a grandma quite yet, but it makes me a grandma on Amazon. Um, So I started like a lot of people back in the day. I started at library sales selling books, and then I did retail arbitrage and online arbitrage And it was a really great way to have a side hustle. And for a while, so I've been a consultant forever, a business consultant, a marketing consultant, public relations, that kind of thing. But for a while, I homeschooled one of my kids who special needs. And I'll tell you, Amazon on the side was a great way for us to make money and have money for all of his expensive therapy and stuff um, and to be productive, but to have my own schedule while I was doing that. It was fantastic
1: that is great and 11 years ago uh, I mean that it had to be in books for sure but uh, it's (laughs) <laughs> the dinosaur. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and Christmas toys, tons of Christmas toys. And back in the day when you could easily go to the big lots and go to the discount stores and it wasn't going to be a problem. You could flip things like crazy from November through December. Um, that was my world back then. Um, but now I, I still have my seller account. I still do my, it's still a side hustle for me now that I have an agency. Um, but now I do wholesale and I rep manufacture. So I'm a lot more, uh, oh, what would you call it? Like safe mm-hmm. <laughs> on Amazon now. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, it's funny that I started selling online 20, 21, 22 years ago, something like that. And only in to the end of 2015, I found out that Amazon was, was taking third-party sellers. So 15 was, um, I believe, November or so was when I first transferred items from my what I was selling on eBay, for example, to Amazon and then realized like the potential. Now, tell me something. When did you realize that it was going to work? What you were doing, your part-time online, was going to work and you like realized, I don't need a nine-to-five anymore. I can actually stay home or have my own office and do this. Do you remember that that day that realization?
0: So it was after just a few months really because back then there was so much less competition from other third party sellers. The FBA program was relatively new but operating so I was able to do everything FBA which I I did. I've over the life of my account I've probably done 95% FBA. I do some merchant fulfilled. Um, and you know, I've been doing eBay before that and I could just like, I'm sure you saw, I could see, wow, I can actually turn volume. I can have a volume of sales. It's semi-passive income, if you will, Mm -hmm. because I work on it when I've got time. And when I don't, I don't. And as long as I'm checking my buyer seller messaging every day or having a VA do it, it really does turn into like semi-passive income, which is fantastic. I think it probably only took three or four months before I was a believer.
1: Well, you know what? I um, I was a believer really quick too, but unfortunately, uh, I was <laughs> I was delusional. And the first time I thought I was going it was going to work, um, it didn't. Because we see a lot of income sometimes as a seller, right? In early stages, a lot of people I still see it today. People that start don't know that everything you sell is not profit. And I had that mentality. And when I started seeing the digits multiplying, I'm like, okay, this is it. And then, you know, for every hundred thousand you make, if you're if you're doing, you know, 14, 15% net margins, right? You have 14, 15 grand left out of those 100. So, you know, pay pay for the cars, the homes and stuff. It yeah, pretty quickly I realized that I need I needed to um go back a little bit to solidify because when you quit too soon which i did uh you starve your business right because you need that money and i did that so glad i glad it worked for you you probably had better math skills than i did <laughs>
0: Well, and you absolutely do have to know the numbers and it's tough because um, a lot of people, I think, use their Amazon payout as their accounting system. And they're not really thinking about the mileage on the on the car or truck. They're not thinking about the cost of goods. Um, all the boxes, boxes, tape, and stickers add up. You know, you think, oh, it's just a few cents per product. It really adds up over time. My Uline bills are substantial. And you really you really have to know the numbers and you have to learn. I think all of us have learned this the hard way at some point or another. Another, that you make the money at the buy, you don't make it when you sell it. And so if you get tempted into something because you think, well, the margin on this isn't so great, but I can do a lot of volume. It only takes one cheap seller to come in on that listing and you're doomed.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and unfortunately, most of us ha- have seen that happen. that oh, yeah. new, the new seller that comes in, and I, I often wonder, is this new seller purposely doing this because they want to increase their conversion rate? Or do they actually not know their numbers and they're just selling with a loss, right? Because that happens. So it's uh, sometimes, uh, yeah, you never know who's on the other side, right?
0: Absolutely. And also, We have some of our clients are the biggest sellers on Amazon, and they work out some amazing agreements with their vendors. Some of them buy direct from manufacturers. They might take closeout stock that's direct from a manufacturer and get it for a song um, because it's the old packaging or whatever it might be. Or it's items that are on the brink of a small seller would be afraid of the expiration but my big guy, he can turn it really fast. So he's not afraid. So he gets a deal. Um, you'd be amazed at the pricing some of these folks get on the volume buys. So you never really know, like you said, if this is someone who's truly getting the inventory like barely above cost of goods for the manufacturer, or if it's someone who just doesn't know their numbers or they're trying to get out of Amazon. Uh, I've seen sure. people who they're just trying to get off the platform. So they cheap sell everything they have to just, you know, let me out of here.
1: Yeah, Or, or even, you know, they've been there for a while, hasn't sold and now the long term storage fees are approaching quickly and they just let's get rid of this because it's better to lose a little bit now than all in fees.
0: Absolutely. They've got to liquidate it for whatever reason. Um, We have clients that we have counseled to negotiate with people who have made IP complaints against them. And so you say, hey, I promise to never sell your brand again, but will you let me liquidate my stuff because I've only got 50 units? And they'll mark it down and nothing just to get rid of it quickly. There's all kinds of reasons people sell Mm -hmm. cheap. But unfortunately, so many sellers, it only takes one or two circumstances for your items to not be worth much anymore.
1: I did hear of those cases too, the IP ones where the seller begs the the real manufacturer, you know, can I just sell these? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, uh, you deal with a lot of big sellers and your agency, I don't know, if we did mention it in the introduction, it's Riverbend Consulting. You co- co-founded it. Yes. Uh, okay, let's first go now about Riverbend. How did you start that and why with who? Uh, tell us that story and then we'll go from there.
0: So Riverbend is just over four years old, and I co-founded it with my partner, Joe Zalta. Um, Joe is a high-quality seller on Amazon, and one of his accounts was down. Um, So I was doing consulting and helping people prior to Riverbend on a smaller scale, and uh, Joe was referred to me, and I helped him get his account reinstated. Um so and you know what's interesting about our clients the ones we're able to help and get reinstated we're like their best pal for life right they love us Um, And we and we usually develop close relationships with them because this is one of the hardest times of their life. They're going through something very stressful if they make a living and have employees off of this account. Um, So we get close really fast. So uh, a few months later, when Joe uh, found out that I was kind of looking to do something, didn't know what I wanted to do. He heard through the grapevine. He called me and said, we got to do this together um, because he's got a really strong sales background and I've got the service team background. So it's a good fit.
1: Nice. And you mentioned he was a high quality seller and I, yes. that's a term I appreciate a lot. So can you tell me how does one become a high quality seller?
0: Absolutely. So um, someone who's a high quality seller, uh, if they're a reseller, they probably have great relationships with good distributors, with manufacturers, with good wholesalers. And when I say good, I mean, um, if you check out their invoices, the way Amazon checks those invoices, they're going to pass. So they have a real physical address. It's not something that I'm going to Google map and it's in the middle of a field or it's in a bodega. <laughs> and I'm telling you all, we get invoices from our clients because we vet them before they submit them to Amazon. You wouldn't believe so. of the addresses one was in the middle of the ocean and it's just you know crazy so a quality seller you can actually vet where they got their stuff it's not liquidation it's not garbage merchandise or they're a private label seller who's really building a brand the right way those are some of the best quality sellers on amazon
1: Good. all right so now um for example for new sellers or even existing sellers uh there's amazon has now storage limitations right they They update this every now and then. But I know, for example, in Canada, I'm not sure if you're aware of the Canadian situation for Amazon, that storage is almost useless for anybody starting out, right? I think it starts at 20 units, which is basically if you're allowed to do giveaways, that's, you know, two hours and and you're out of stock. Um, Is there a way to fix this, Uh, increase it, Uh, I know it has to do with your sales velocity. The more you sell, the more storage they're going to give you. But for those that haven't proven proven themselves yet, how can they increase this? Do you know?
0: So first I have to say the irony is never lost on me when I look at my storage limits and it says unlimited. And then above that, it says restock. And that's how many I can actually send. So it still says unlimited, yay me cuz my ipi is like 777 right now so it's yeah. unlimited but i can't but i can only send so much it's it's absolutely maddening for people so good news that i have heard through the grapevine in the past 3 or 4 days is that Amazon, I mean, everyone knows they are building warehouses like crazy and they're staffing up those warehouses as fast as they can. Some of these limitations are supposed to, they are hoping, start backing off in 2022. Now, whether that comes to fruition, I don't know, but that is what I am hearing out there. Now, your IPI... Is technically not directly related to your restock limits. But at the same time, the IPI is one of the best tools that Amazon gives you to understand how you can improve those restock limits. So a lot of it is sell through. That's the most important of the metrics on IPI. And so if you have got, if you look at your account and you have got anything garbage in the FBA warehouse, if you've got something you're not really going to make a profit, blow it out, get it out of there. We all get these. Um, unreasonable emotional attachments to certain parts of our inventory, or we just keep believing the price is going to go up and it never does. I mean, we all have losers. Let's face it, get rid of your losers. Just, just cut them off because the only way you're going to get your winners in there is to kill off your losers. Also on the restock um, on the FBA in stock portion, they penalize you. If you still have listings that are open, even though they are inactive. So if you've run out of product that you do not plan to restock, delete those listings completely out of your inventory because you're being penalized for having things that are open, even if they don't have any inventory and you can't can't restock them for some reason. Cut all those out. That's going to help your restock limits. Another super important thing, If you have any open shipments that you have not sent to FBA sitting in your queue, those are counting against you and penalizing you. Go back to literally the beginning of time with your shipments. Not kidding. Go back to beginning of time, whenever that was. I've got dozens of pages. And make sure that there is nothing sitting in open status. You can sort for open. Um, If you've got anything you actually don't intend to send, anything you forgot to send, couldn't send. Uh, close all of those inbound shipments because that will prevent you from sending anything new.
1: That's a true, and I experienced that. And uh, I had the VA just probably two, three days ago going through all and making sure that they closed because sometimes we actually finished the shipment but ended up not shipping it, right? Even though we we have we had to pay for that and everything, right? Because it was um, in the U.S. shipment from U.S. Uh, to Amazon. So you use the Amazon, uh, what do they call it? The low cost mm-hmm. uh, Amazon the fee. partner
0: so, carrier rate.
1: Exactly. So we still got charged for them. And meanwhile, we figured, okay, we lost some money. It's okay. Continue. Life continues. And they stayed there. And uh, those were uh, hurting us. There you go.
0: Now, And how would you ever know these things? It's really all of this is experimentation at this point because they don't tell you anything to do. So I've learned some of these tricks on my own account and then other things from um, from my sellers and my clients who have told me, hey, did you know you're being penalized for X, Y, and Z? And we've all just experimented to find these things. Uh, I did not realize until on my own account, I experimented with deleting all of those items I don't intend to restock. And my IPI went up by like 50 points. I'm like, what the heck was that? And then my restock limit went up just a tad. It was not a lot but let's face it if you're at 20 inbound units another 10 is a relief so do all the teeny tiny things you need to do yep. to try and edge that up
1: yeah man if you've been doing it for a while there's probably a bunch of them they're sitting there with the status of open uh, that are probably hurting you so um I mentioned earlier, uh, for example, the the stock in Canada being 20, and that could be, you know, a couple hours of giveaways. Now, talking about giveaways, um, platform manipulation. Giveaways, if we look at it, platform manipulation or uh, rank manipulation, anything we do could technically be considered manipulation, right? Because I am purposely trying to change my rank, Uh Now, how I do it could be more gray hat, black hat, or whatever, but um, everything we do is technically rank manipulation, isn't it?
0: It really is. And before I say anything else, don't shoot the messenger. Um, (laughs) People do not like when I talk about this topic because they don't want to hear it. But I'm just telling you what Amazon's rules are, not what my opinion is. Amazon considers anything that is not an organic sale, essentially, to be bestseller rank manipulation or platform manipulation or review manipulation. And so the only exceptions they've really carved out for that at this time are their stuff. So spend money on my PPC program and on Vine fine that we're going to jack the price way up on. And those are peachy keen and fine. Um, but giveaways and these websites out there that have the giveaways and the massive discount coupons and the rebate sites and all those fun techniques, all of them, Technically violate uh, the the business solutions agreement.
1: Yeah, and even though we do know it, and you know they know it, and uh, some of them have been shut down recently because of that. Uh, I'm not saying that I haven't used those services because I have, uh, but it um, and knowing that it's you know not it's not black hat, it's not bad, and it does work. So um, now organically what are the best ways then to increase your conversion with relevancy and all that uh, organically? Is it just lowering your price, increasing the price uh, or all of the above the good images, all of that?
0: Um, So the the listing quality, Amazon does assign a listing quality score to every listing out there. And I think a lot of people neglect what is essentially their listing quality score. Now, do you know what it is? No. Are there tools out there that will give you what an approximation of your listing quality score is? Yeah. um, But a lot of it's common sense. So it really does matter if you have lifestyle images. It really does matter if you write effective copy. And it really does matter if you research the heck out of your keywords. None of these are magic that are going to rocket you to the top of the page, but they are long-term strategies that are organic. I've seen people spend a lot of money on rebate strategies, for example, that when I looked at their listing, their listing was terrible. I'm like, why on earth did you go spend $20,000 on rebates, but you didn't even put the keywords in the back end? Because even if you you did increase your rank through these rebates, you're not going to keep it because your keywords are terrible. So starting with that, and then something that is exciting, and I hate to say this because it means spending more money, um, but something that is really working right now, there's a first mover advantage for video ads. So if you create a video ad and you can use it in two places, you can use it in your content on your listing, but then you can also use it as a PPC ad that is a video ad. Um, Those are converting higher than other PPC. They are getting more favorable treatment. Amazon is favoring video and search results. Um, They're really popping that stuff up. So if you will invest the money in a video ad, if you have a private label product or something you move a lot of, that is extremely effective right now.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I was all for this week uh, something. It was through Amazon, but I believe it was developed by a third party. But Amazon is the one offering this through um, Amazon Advertising, uh, and I can't remember. Um, I can't remember exactly what the name of it was, but they're going to give us access of like Facebook has on video ads. We you do a video ad, and then you can retarget people that have seen. 20% of that video, 70% of the video, or people that have watched all the video. Uh, have you heard about that? Do you know what it is?
0: Yes, it is relatively new. Anytime you're offered anything with retargeting, do it. Um, there's a reason that people pay a premium to have retargeting on Google Ads because it will serve you up really great traffic. You're getting more qualified leads. So you're not necessarily getting more leads necessarily or more clicks, but you're getting better qualified leads and clicks. So it's people who want to come back because they've already seen it once and they're like, Oh yeah, I need to go buy that thing. Um, so generally speaking, a premium for that is worth it.
1: Okay. Awesome. And, uh, I, I definitely want to get into it. I just, uh, haven't yet. Cause it was recent. I don't know, maybe two days ago or something like that. Uh, now I ought to go back a few uh, a minute or two when you were talking about the listing quality score, mm-hmm. and this is something that I love, but at the same time I hate because uh, let me explain this. For example, there's tools out there like Helium 10, mm-hmm. and I'm a I'm a big fan of Helium 10. I use Helium 10 all the time, uh, but a lot of people see the listing quality score that Helium 10 gives you and they assume that the 10 out of 10, it's it's basically 10 out of 10 that you did everything you should on the listing, but it doesn't tell you the quality of the keywords, it, right? It tells you, you used 150 characters in the title, but what did you put in there, right? So I know a lot of people assume the 10 out of 10 is good, but they forget that what you put in that could be crap right? So we can't just trust it blindly to be. Uh, have you noticed that before?
0: That is such a great point because it is important to check all the boxes. So if you do the 10 of 10, it means that you have put some content in everywhere Amazon lets you put content. Yes, that is super important. But what if your A plus content is garbage. Some of it is, some of it's really bad. Some of it's just a block of text or, you know, the best A plus content in my view, use the top half of it for that particular product. And then you push your other products below Mm. that, you know, other things in the brand family. So there's a huge difference between someone who just has that product versus the rest of the brand family. So you're absolutely right. You've really got to optimize the listing. You really have to spend real time on keyword research and I hate to break it to people, but the keyword stuff changes all the time. It really is just like Google, the Amazon algorithm changes, the competitors that are out there change, who has stock changes right now. Personally, I think the biggest effect on how people are doing with their rankings and how people are doing with their search results is based on their in-stock rate and other people's in-stock rate because this is going to be a different kind of Q4 and Christmas. People are going to run out of stuff early and often. There's going to be a lot of product gone off the platform in December, like early December, December 1st, it'll already be gone. Mm-hmm. So if you really have great keywords in there, you're going to be able to take advantage of those and shoot upwards some and, and continue adjusting them because your, your competitors are gonna run out of stock.
1: True, and, and uh, uh, to that point, if you don't have your stock somewhere already in the US, somewhere in a third party warehouse, uh, you will not be able to order it in January because right, it's going to be too quick in February, China, China will shut down for the Chinese New Year, pretty much. Yes. So you know, it's it's gonna be March by the time some people can get their stock back if they run out and don't have like uh storage in the US. Uh, and I know that That's it happened to point. me. It happened to me uh even before we have any kinds of limits, you know. Uh I remember having to wait for and on top of that a product that it would take 45 days to be made, right? And then I have 20 to ship it in the Seacan. So, you know, know, things that we got to account for and talking about that holidays are coming up, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Christmas, they're all coming up. So what are some of the tips and advice that you have for people that are uh, sellers during these days and even to prepare for these days?
0: So this also harkens back to what you said earlier about the restock limits like in Canada, but this applies to the US as well. It is more important than ever that you have some kind of a merchant fulfilled strategy in place. And it is not too late to do that. It is never too late to do that. And especially when we all know there's a higher probability than usual that FBA offers are going to disappear from the platform in late November, early December. Um, They are not going to be FBA offers prioritized over your merchant fulfilled offers, your merchant fulfilled offers might be the only thing out there. So be ready, whether you use a 3PL, or you use some kind of a prep center that also has 3PL services, or you do it yourself out of your mother-in-law room like I do in December, um, you know, be ready to, to ship some product because you can really make bank off that in December. And then my, my other uh, pre-holiday advice is really get into your uh, account health scorecard and your performance notifications. Um, Spend some time in your account and look and see what listings have been taken down, whether those are for voice of the customer or it's because of a request for invoices, a complaint for inauthentic or used, sold as new. Those are the most common complaints. And get your POAs in, send in those invoices, because what you don't want to happen, okay, volume is dictates how many complaints you get it really does i don't care how great of a seller you are um the more volume you do the more complaints you get when you get complaints amazon is going to suspend ASINs and ask for a plan of action or ask for invoices well when do you do most of your volume you do it in november and december and people are buying earlier this year so it takes about 30 to 45 days sometimes 60, for Amazon to start taking action against sellers who get a lot of complaints. So let's say that you start getting a lot of volume in early November. That puts you for an account shutdown right between December 1st and 15th, which you do not want to happen. So if you've got any old stuff in there, that's ugly, anything you can get reinstated, send invoices, make them happy, write the POA, do it right now because that's not going to be held against you when you get one or two other complaints. If you get one or two other complaints, it's not a big, not a big thing, but if you've already got a stack of them and you get one more in November, Oh, that's bad.
1: Yes. And, and you know what, Leslie, now uh, you reminded me of something. Uh, Sometimes those claims that, you know, used, used as new or the, the reviews that say this made me sick or complaints, uh, those are very dangerous for the seller, but sometimes they are not real. Now, when, uh, and there's a lot of black hat out there and the, the, the dirty tricks are growing, uh, what can we do as legit sellers to defend ourselves from
0: it? That's an excellent question. So let's divide this into two pieces, the black hat and the customer who just wants a free return. (laughs)
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, that one.
0: <laughs> okay. So um the black hat you can usually recognize because there's a volume. You're usually hit at volume. There's a click yep. farm in China. There's a bad dude in Russia. A lot of this comes from overseas. There are reasons for that. Like it's harder for anyone to find who's doing it. Um, so if you have an ASIN that's getting hit in volume. That is one situation. that's more likely black hat. If you're getting one-off complaints that are safety complaints like this made my tummy hurt or it caught fire and you know it probably didn't or if it, they're saying it's inauthentic or you sold this new, you have to treat them as though they are real when you address Amazon. You cannot tell Amazon, this guy's lying, this dude's out to get me he wants a free return. That will just make them mad. So you have to write a plan of action as if. Now there's always something you can be doing better in your account. You can be packaging better. You can be sourcing better. Um, you on the safety ones. Uh, a lot of times, people don't have good disclaimers on their listing detail page um, that should be there. So you can talk about those things without necessarily admitting fault, but say, you know, we need to do this better. Get your listing reinstated. Move on. If it is black hat, this is where it gets really difficult. You have to try and show Amazon a pattern of conduct unfortunately you're at a great disadvantage because Amazon has all the data to show the pattern of conduct. And you're kind of guessing um, we have had before, where as an example, a lot of reviews that are written in a certain kind of broken English that repeats some of the same words. And we'll send that to Amazon. Um, we'll send that to report a violation or escalate it to an executive and say, look, this is really obvious. Or uh, we had one client that over a weekend, got um, every good review downvoted hundreds of times and every bad review updated upvoted hundreds of times over a weekend. It was obviously a click farm. Um, And because we were able to show, wow, this happened over three days, we actually got a good response from Amazon. But I'm telling you, those are really tough cases. It's really hard to convince them that you are in the crosshairs.
1: True. Uh, I had one that it happened as well, the upvote in, uh, of the bad ones, the downvote of the good ones. And because it was in a sh- short period of time that it happened in by the hundreds, um, Amazon did take action on it. So that was one of the cases that uh, we were fortunate that they did take action. But I do want to stress out for everybody listening too that if something like that happens, first, make sure that you are right. Because I, I told this, this story on the podcast before where something happened to me and this top quality product suddenly start getting negative reviews, uh, every single day really quick because of the wrong color. And, and then a lot of people start mentioning the color, uh, or they ordered white, they got red. I'm like, I never had a red, right. I was private label product. There is no such thing as a red one. Truth is, uh, my manufacturer decided to gift me their brand new color of the product that I've been buying. And they shipped a case or two, I can remember, with my last shipment directly to Amazon. And there were cases of red ones in there. So the customer was right. I never saw the red one, but they were there. And so... Uh, I mean, I thought it was Black Hat at first, right? I thought I was being attacked, but reality is it was my fault. It was uh, indirectly. uh, I'm responsible for it. So I know it costs a fortune to remove every single bit of inventory and then send it to a sorting center. I mean, so first, make sure you are right. If you feel you're being attacked, make sure you're right. And then if you are, then, you know, contact Amazon and take care of this. Uh, But yeah, don't assume right off the bat that it's Black Hat.
0: That is such a painful story. I'm so sorry that happened to you. And and you're absolutely right. Uh, Voice of the customer is one of the more useful tools in Seller Central. Um, You can go into voice of the customer and put in the ASIN and what it'll do is it'll pop up the comments that they got like in the chat or the email or that the the customer service rep at Amazon typed in. Um, And that is where we have found things like a client who was selling a shampoo and conditioner, but people were all getting two shampoos. Um, And the client swore up and down that they weren't doing anything wrong. We looked in voice of the customer. It'd be really strange if all the complaints are for, Two shampoos. I mean, it'd be a huge conspiracy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unless you screwed up, and his his prep center screwed up, um, exactly. and and so we cut it off as as soon as we saw it and had all that inventory returned. But you're absolutely right. Um, I do love Voice of the Customer for that for that one reason. Um, also when you think you've been attacked by black hat, it's really useful. This will sound ridiculous, but it has helped me even on the accounts that I work on. I take someone who has a passing knowledge of Amazon. Not my level or your level of knowledge on Amazon. Like one of my kids, even, and mm-hmm. I explain to them what happened, and then I say, "What do you think happened there?" Um, so, you know, I, I say the same thing to sellers who are writing appeals. Uh, read it out loud to a friend or family member. Uh, read it out loud to someone who who knows enough about Amazon but not too much, and they're going to tell you, "Oh, that doesn't make any sense." Mm. <laughs> You need some comments. You're so deep in it and you feel attacked, you know, so it's, it's good to have someone else say no or, yeah, obviously someone's out to get you.
1: Yeah, nice one. You know what? Uh, I, I like that approach of uh, talking to somebody that is not in the trenches every day to see their view of things. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I launched a baby brand a few years ago. Uh, and it was you know baby swaddles the blankets to wrap the baby around uh, and um i i went for the highest quality possible and everything was like this is going to be like the best brand in the world i wanted to have top notch and i i had a kid uh, i had a baby uh, and then i didn't have my product for myself because i was selling the us only and i'm in canada And then I had twins after that. And uh, anyway, that product, during the launch, it took off for a little bit because the launch price was a little bit lower and everything. Then when it climbed back up to where it should be, that one stopped selling. And it went until I had to remove it to another account that I had where I put my losers, basically, and then... One day, I was talking to my wife, and she has nothing to do with private label, nothing to do with selling online or anything, but she has everything to do with kids. And uh, she said, yeah, I wouldn't buy that one either. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, why? It's the best. She's like, yeah, that's, you're selling one per box, right? I need six a day. And that's why mothers weren't buying them, because buying... And then I realized all the best sellers had packs of four, three and four, and I was the one with the best looking package. And I was selling just one swaddle, but moms don't want just one swaddle, right? They need (laughs) need one every hour when the babies are little. And uh, that was somebody that was from the outside that told me what my mistake was. The pros couldn't tell. And uh, that was it. So, something that's when you
0: learn to put your wife on your marketing and packaging team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that was the last, uh, that was the first and the last baby product that I lost. <laughs> so, Leslie, tell me something for, for everybody that's listening and they want to know more about you, they want to know more about Riverbend Consulting. Where do they go to find you and Riverbend?
0: So you can find out more about Riverbend at riverbendconsulting.com. Our phone number is prominently displayed on the site because we have actual humans who answer the phone during the day Um, something that can't be said of many businesses lately. Yeah. So we have human beings who will take your call. We love when people call and say, can you even help with us? That is okay to do. We're not going to charge you money. We're going to tell you what, you know, if you can get help. So give us a shout there. And also if you head on over to LinkedIn and you uh, search me on LinkedIn, Leslie Hensel, um, I put new Amazon content up about five days a week. Um, Some of it's tricks and hints, some of it's news articles and commentary. Some of it's a little bit of bashing Amazon because, you know, with what I do all day, you bash Amazon too.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And that's exactly true. Like, I love Amazon because it's uh, a nice way to make a living. But at the same time, there are days where you could rip your own hair off because of it. <laughs> so
0: There's a real love-hate for me as well. Um, I have some real issues with some of the... Uh, anti-competitive, monopolistic behaviors, and yet I don't want legislation because I think that would just hurt Amazon. I mean, it's this push and pull internally that tears me apart everything.
1: day. <laughs> I'm in the same bo- We're in the same boat. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie, thank you so much. This was fun. It was a pleasure having you here.
0: Thank you so much. I had a great time. Thank you.